yeah, I'm really excited to have you as a guest because not only are you a client and also somebody that I just admire online, but you're my work wife. I know. It's extra special. (laughs) We do send a lot of WhatsApp messages. (laughs) Everybody needs a work wife. Mm, It is handy. Yeah, Mm. definitely. So first of all, I just wanted to ask you how you got started because your background isn't, so you didn't start off self-employed, did you? Your background, you worked in agency and in-house as a graphic designer Yeah, within the branding sphere. I'm probably going to say all the wrong words. No, it wasn't specifically branding. Well, in agency, there was quite a bit of branding, but in the in-house, obviously, because you're in-house, it's like all one brand. So you're not sort of creating new ones that often. Um, but sorry. So yeah, the question was like how I got, yeah. So how I got started with what I'm doing now, basically. Is that the question? (laughs) Oh, I can't hear you. You've gone off. Oh, I muted myself while I was drinking coffee because I didn't want to be all like gross and gulpy. Um, yeah. So the question was, it wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement. You, your background isn't, because quite, I think quite a lot of people nowadays, Gen Zers are starting off in self-employment. Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't what I did. And also, weirdly, um, I when I came out of like, so I did study graphic design. So I've kind of like always been in the same career, which I think is quite like rare now. Um, but when I started, I was convinced that I didn't ever want to work for myself. So there was like a couple of people at university who were like, had real like ambitions of setting up their own studios. And that was like, never my ambition. I wanted to go and work for other people. But then down the line, I realized that that was just what I'd sort of like absorbed from all the other people around me, because that's what, what was seen as successful was like going to London and working for like a really famous design agency. And so I I just sort of like absorbed that goal and thought, well, I need to go to London and I need to like work for, you know, famous companies or big names, Um, which I didn't really do. I didn't really work for anyone famous. I worked in-house for like a well-known university. Um, But where, yeah, I eventually realized that I, I got a taste for working for myself So I started doing it while I was working full time and started taking clients on the side, kind of accidentally because they asked me um, to and they were like really keen to work with me rather than me looking for it. And then I realized that I did quite like sort of being in control of the whole, whole process. And then, I mean, this is like, I feel like this is boring and that this is what everyone's story is but then basically when I had kids um it made sense to have my own business and then I I really got a taste for it and now I can't imagine going like back the other way but I honestly it was never my goal or my aim to work for myself um but now yeah now I love it do you ever think though that do you, can you not ever imagine um, going back because you love being self-employed so much or is it that you just know how hard it would be because as mothers, we're really pushed out of the workforce? Such a good question. <laughs> I think it's probably like a bit of both, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think definitely if if like things were set up 
to help mothers like the way it should be then I think probably the appeal of working my, for myself might be less like there are definitely aspects of working for someone else that I miss um but at the same time there are there are a lot of aspects of working to my, for myself that I like that even if I did go back to a like really amazing place that totally supported like me as a mother I think I would still miss um so yeah it's not like it's not a clear-cut answer mm. but I think you're right I don't think it is just um oh I've become a mother so that's why I want to work for myself I think it is just that you don't get the support yeah that you need and it's still even now it still winds me up so much just things like um me and my husband are both self-employed and we work 50 50 like we both work part-time we work 50 50 in childcare, 50 50 so it's like pretty unusual situation it's a pretty balanced split but there is still so many aspects that come to me you know like there's so many expectations mm -hmm. like you know, I think one of the obvious ones is like, if the kids are sick, you know, I'm still the one that's called, I'm still the one that's like expected to deal with it. I'm still the one that's sort of not like, not overtly, but there's sort of like this subtle feeling like I'm the one who'll have to like drop work commitments to like make sure they're okay and stuff like that. So I think there's still so much work <laughs> to be done. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew you were going to say the, that when the kids are sick, they call you because that, I mean... And I say to my husband, we don't have a 50-50 split. He works um, because he's it. Well, you know what he does. He's an estate agent. So mm. it's just not a job that you can do a few days a week, unfortunately. No. But um, as much as we both push for kind of equity in the childcare as much as possible, the kids, uh, the nursery, even though they see Ollie actually as they see him as much as they see me because he does all of the drop-offs and I do all of the pickups, they will always call me first. Mm. Would you be annoyed if they called him first? Because I do have to challenge myself sometimes <laughs> because sometimes, although I moan about this, every now and then I'm like, but I think I might be a bit gutted because yeah. there's a part of me as well that wants to be that person, that wants to be that I'm the one who's going to be there for my kids if they need me. Yeah, but um, that I think is because we as mothers, that's so much of our purpose and our identity and our worth is tied yeah. up in that because everything else is taken away from us. So, so then true. Yeah. it's like, oh, I mean. There's so much to unpick, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this could turn into a therapy session. <laughs> I think that's, the th that's it though, isn't it? It's like, it's not it's not black and white. Like there's so, there's so much complex stuff all sort of like mixed up into this like really complicated ball of emotions. Um, and, and what you feel, I don't feel like you can take what you feel at face value. Like there's a lot of sort of digging behind, you know, like, well, why is it that we, why, like, why is it that we feel like this? Is it because we've been conditioned in a particular way, you know, all mm -hmm. that kind of thing. This actually segues quite nicely onto branding and how you work with clients because I was going to ask you a little bit more about kind of your specific self-employment struggles but actually I want to talk about this first um when you meet people at the start of their branding journey when they come to you what's the is there a lot of unpicking to do to get to what they want 
Does oh, that make sense? Yeah, because in it does each make industry, sense. I guess there's. I know that for me, if I compared myself to other podcast producers, they wouldn't look like me. There's a lot of kind of techie men, and they probably wouldn't have quite a gorgeous website <laughs> and lovely branding. Yeah, <laughs> I can say that because Liz did my branding. So. <laughs> It, I mean, it like totally varies. I think there, so there's like different schools of thought on this. So a lot of designers don't actually do brand strategy. Like they expect you to have sort of done that work before you come to them. And then other designers will do that as part of their package. So I think I'm sort of somewhere in the middle that I can't, like before a client comes to me I need them to know certain things about their business before we get started if they like there is a whole process of like asking them questions about their business and finding out more and trying to sort of like understand like what's behind it all you know make things like their values and what they want to achieve with their business and all that kind of stuff but um yeah I think so there's not there's not loads of unpicking but if there's if that is needed, I'll do like a bit more of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it like varies from clients to clients. I have had some clients who wanted me to design branding and haven't actually known what their business is going to be. And I should, that is like, if any designers are listening, that is like a huge red flag. Like just don't <laughs> touch that. Um I like, yeah, I stupidly sort of started it and it just didn't work out. But but then, and then there's others who like know what they want to do, but almost like need the branding to help them feel like clear and confident going forward. And then there's other people who have just like know exactly, like they know, like you were, you were like this, you know, like know exactly what they don't like about what they've got at the moment, what they want it to look like going forward, and like can communicate that really clearly. Like ultimately, it all comes down to communication, you know, like how well can you communicate what your business is about to a designer so that they can then like visualize like get out what you want it to look like if that makes sense yeah totally and I think also experience no because I'd and how much you've experimented I suppose it's experience slash confidence I am very clear on my brand values but not because I've done loads and loads of prep work it's because of um trial and error right yeah. like I've been self-employed since 2014 which is ages and in that time You've everything I've gone so through much. so many yeah. iterations and yeah I've learned so much um but yeah. yeah and I think that's why like I I think this would potentially be a bit of a like considered a bit of a controversial opinion mm -hmm. sort of like in the design world in air quotes um that like I don't really think you necessarily need to invest in your branding right at the beginning mm. exactly for that reason because I think sometimes you need to like experiment and play around like you there's there are some people I I can think of some people that come to their business with it like almost like fully formed and they know exactly what they're going to do and they know exactly what they want to achieve and then I think there's other people who are more like experimenting and want to and want to sort of like test things out and you know see if they enjoy this and see if they enjoy that and and I think in that instance it's not always the right option to sort of like go all in like with branding at the beginning because I think like like you say you need 
you need that experience to almost get all the brand strategy blocks in place so that then when you do go to a designer, you can be like, okay, I know what I'm about now. That made me think of something because you're basically talking about, because however you come to market your business, even saying the word market makes it sound grander, but however you tell people about your business or what you're doing to earn money or your side hustle or whatever you call it, you'll have branding, even if you don't consider it branding. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like the thing with now is that it's a lot easier for people to put something together themselves. So, you know, you can you can build yourself a website. Yeah, it might not like win any awards, but it's going to be functional and it's going to be usable and it's going to do the job. You know, there's like, you can buy a template, you can, you know, the same for your branding, you can buy a template. So I think it's definitely something that you have to think about right from the beginning. I guess it's just whether you, like when you outsource it to somebody else that I sometimes question. But yeah, you absolutely, there needs to be something in place. And what happens is either you think about it and you put something in place that's maybe not perfect, but is going to work well enough for, I don't, you know, however long you're sort of experimenting, or you don't think about it and it almost just happens by accident. And for some people that works really well because they're almost like visually really intuitive. So without even thinking about it, they curate a look for their business. You know how there's just some people on Instagram who everything (laughs) just looks really consistent and they, and they haven't even really thought about it. It just comes so naturally to them because almost like their whole, their whole life is curated like that. They like such a distinct style. So they don't, it just, that just obviously like spills over into their branding. Whereas I think there's other people probably a bit more like me who like a bit of everything and don't want to pin themselves down. And so then are constantly changing their minds and constantly trying all different things. And that's when I think it's, that's when you need to have thought about it because that's when it starts to look messy and confusing because Mm. it's like, well, hang on a second. What one minute you're posting like brightly colored sort of like lurid, you know, like patterns. And then the next minute it's all about sort of like minimal muted tones. It's like, well, what are you about? Like what do you, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, some people do it. So have such a natural ability for it. I don't think you are. I mean, we talk about this a lot um, in work wife chats that we're we're both uh, kind of what do we, like shiny magpie <laughs> types in that our brains are very much like oh well that looks interesting that and I, I for me it's not so much with um, the look and feel of my brand but it's with the back end so it's Mm. with processes and I want to try this bit of software I want to I can't stick to just one thing and I think you're similar yeah I totally (laughs) (laughs) that kind of takes us pretty nicely into experimentation which I know that you're big on in your Mm. business just trying new things yeah what has been your biggest win in terms of experimenting with your business like in terms of something that I've tried Mm -hmm. yeah and Um, it doesn't have to be a biggest win in terms of income or whatever just the thing that you has brought you the most joy or oh that's that is such a good question um I think in terms of what has brought the most joy, it's been my mailing list. 
Um, like that was something that I did not get on with at all for years. And I had a MailChimp account and I think I literally like would email like twice a year and it would always be an email being like, oh, so I know I haven't been doing this regularly, <laughs> but now I'm going to do this regularly. And then they wouldn't hear from me for another six months. I mean, it was awful. It was so bad. And then, and then I, I think it was in 2020, actually, like I, basically because of the pandemic I ended up having more time that that I can work and I'd also made the decision to focus so I had two sections of my business before um my second kid was born and I basically had an online stationery shop where that I did because I wanted to just be able to design things that I liked and then if people wanted to buy them great and then I had my design services as well and basically I got to the point where I was like, I can't, neither of those, these businesses are going to be able to move forward to the point I want them to, unless I drop one. So I decided Mm -hmm. to drop the stationary one. I, I used to be, I used to go through phases where I'd love one more than the other and it would sort of like switch between them. And so I was a bit nervous about doing it because I was like, well, what if I've chosen the wrong one? But amazingly, I chose the right one because I have like loved it. And maybe it's because I went all in. And so that's why I love it because I've actually sort of like pinned my, you know, like pinned myself to one option. But then, so then I think, yeah, when I had a bit more time to work on my business, I was like, okay, email marketing is totally worth investing in. I'm going to do it. And that was when I discovered Floatdesk. And I'm a bit embarrassed now about how evangelical I am about Floatdesk. <laughs> I'm on Floatdesk because of you. <laughs> I think everybody's probably sick of me talking about it. But I think I think what it is, is I just enjoyed using it so much. And so that made the process yeah, it brought me joy because I actually got excited about putting emails together because I loved how they looked. I mean, obviously being a designer, like how things look is really important to me, but they were also really easy to use. It was also really easy to use. I think the other thing, which is like a bit of a psychological thing is like I was paying for it. So I was like, well, I want to get my money's worth. Um, But yeah. And so since then I've been emailing really, really consistently and have just loved it. Like loved the community that sort of built around it. Like not, not that it's like a huge community, but like people will reply to me and I'll have conversations with people that I didn't even know on my mailing list. And I just really enjoy that sort of connection. Um, yeah. So that's been one of like the biggest joys, I think, I guess like it's not super experimental because most people have a mailing list, but I feel like I found a way that worked well for me after like years of it not working well and then um like another thing is just like experimenting with ways of like growing my mailing list so it was very like very small and growing very slowly for a long time um one of the so I thought I'd just try a few different things and one of them was that I am part of Elizabeth Goddard's student group so she's got this really amazing Facebook group um where like anyone who's done one of her courses or worked with her can be part of and she did like a bundle at Christmas where people put in products for free and then people could sign there was like a free option and a paid option and so I just was like well I'm just going to give it a go and see what happens not really having like that many expectations I kind of didn't really have anything to lose and my email list doubled in size. Um, So that was really cool. I mean, and obviously there's going to be, I keep reminding myself, you know, that there's going to be drop off after that. And also it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right people for me. So there might need to be some 
like whittling down of the mailing list afterwards. But it was just it was just like fun to just try something different and see what happened. Um, How's your open rate been after? Did it go down? It went down a little bit, but not like it was still a decent amount. I think the so then probably they yeah I th- yeah I mean much it, are the right people probably I mean th- sort of knowing her audience and mm. what they're interested in. There's like a really decent crossover, so they probably are the like right audience. There's still I'm still getting like a lot more unsubscribes than I would normally. Part of that is because I launched I launched my course not long after them joining my list, so they were probably like, oh my goodness, who is this? person I don't know who's sending me like <laughs> 10 emails like about something but I just figured you know like that was a, another opportunity to sort of like whittle down the people that weren't interested um but yeah so that's been that's been good and then I think like yeah like you I just like experimenting with different processes and tech like I mean one of the things that's brought me the most joy is the workflow that I have for my <laughs> podcast which we talk about all the time oh my gosh yeah um and yeah shout out to Annabelle Waters who we both worked with we love her I know (laughs) she's amazing but she basically sorted out my workflow and so like because actually like one of the things I didn't realize when I started the podcast which is another joy in my business is um like how much admin there is you know like how much back and forth there is and so basically that's like now all automated and it lit this workflow literally saves me hours and hours and hours. Like one day I should sit down and work out what it actually is because I think it's probably pretty shocking. But um, yeah, that's been amazing. But yeah, the pod, I mean, the podcast is another one. I think what I've realized is that things that like, I just love the community and relational aspect of running my business. And so things that builds that are the things that bring me the most joy so you know I get real joy out of when a client almost like becomes a friend because we've sort of been chatting about their business back and forth so much or like the podcast you know when people send me messages saying that they've taken notes about an episode and it's really helped them in their business or when someone replies to an email I just love all that kind of like human interaction um and just like the like, connection piece yeah exactly yeah. finding other people that are like interested in the same thing as me I mean I guess it's just like pretty like standard stuff isn't it that you know we just like it's nice to click with people about mm. things that you're interested in they're the same but I I I don't know if it is bait I mean it is I don't know if it's basic as such because I think if I asked my husband when he was kind of m- in a when his role was less in the office and it was more he was working for himself but like as a contractor basically mm. the connection piece was definitely not what he cared about true and i well and not I to guess, be super gendered but yeah. he he was just like yeah i love that i get to be at home i love that my time is my own i love the money i mean it's probably like the kind of industry that he's in is mm. is very money focused anyway but um I mean, yeah. it's yeah, there's like different factors in there. It's probably like a personality thing as well, because I'm like definitely an extrovert. So mm-hmm. are that like um, interacting with people and communicating with people like fills me up rather than drains me. Um, and like to the point that if I haven't seen anyone for too long, like my husband's like, Liz, you need to go out and see some friends <laughs> because you're like getting a bit of a nightmare. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so yeah i think and you know like yeah everyone and that's that's another thing that i love about business is that like you you can work out what what lights you up and what works best for you and then build your business around that you know like you can choose to invest in the bits that like bring you joy basically that's funny because what i what brings me the most joy which is related to what you've just said but is kind of the opposite is my workflows in dubsardo which limit my interaction with my clients (laughs) And it's not that I don't love my clients, I really do, but um, too much interaction absolutely drains me. And previously I've experimented with having VAs to take away that CRM piece Mm. because I just found it, yeah, I find that really draining. And also um, because I'm a perfectionist, I'm very prone to beating myself up if I send the wrong thing or forget to attach something Mm. and it just yeah depleted my joy in my business so having these workflows especially the onboarding and offboarding where you just don't have to deal with anything like and you know things like contracts which can be really awkward Mm. especially if you become friendly with somebody not even when you become friendly with someone it's just you know when you're communicating I think as women particularly or or any and when I say women, I don't mean cis women or women. Um, we're not, we're taught to be nice. Mm. It's important to be nice. And so when we email, you know, we add an exclamation mark because oh. we don't want to sound. Um, and I am the worst for that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, that, there's like an Instagram post that goes around and it's like, don't say, like, I'm a terrible for saying, I hope that's okay. When actually yeah. it shouldn't be a question of whether it's okay. This is just how it's going to be. Um, <laughs> yes. Like I, so I am, I am getting better at going back and deleting the exclamation marks, taking out the, oh, I was just wondering, or, oh, yes. I'm so sorry about this. Uh, you know, like I'm another, another one is I'm terrible for like apologizing too much. Um, and like, I think, I think some of that's okay. Like, I don't think we need to, I don't think we need to become like really not like ourselves, if you know what I mean, like take all the personality out. But I think you're totally right. I mean, like those memes get me every time because I'm like, yeah, that is, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a, it's such a balance, isn't it? And again, it's unpicking because yeah. am I doing it because I want to do it mm-hmm. or am I doing it because I feel like I should? And that, so for me, definitely having boundaries, well, for everyone having boundaries is important, but I found implementing my boundaries and protecting my boundaries is much easier when I'm not involved in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my Dubsado workflows. Yeah for CRM has just been a game changer. And I think, you know, like, I think there's sort of, oh, I mean, like, I'm annoyed that I'm going to say this word, but like mindset work that you need to do Mm -hmm. in terms of like what a business is and like what you need to do as a business owner. You know, like the fact of the matter is, is that you, you, need to send out contracts and invoices and like it's not your responsibility to worry about how someone's gonna feel about receiving a contract and an invoice like if they've got if they're working with you as a business and they've got a problem with the fact that you've got a contract like that's their issue not yours and it's it's all that kind of thing isn't it that we all we have to sort of like again it's sort of yeah like looking at 
why we've been conditioned a particular way and starting to unpick it and then be like, okay, well, these, these are the blocks that need to be in place for me to run a successful business that is actually sustainable instead of something that's just me bending over backwards for what everybody else wants. And, and I think it can work for everybody. It's about, it's just about communicating what people can expect. Like now when I get like a client inquiry, I'll like explain to them what the process will be if they decide to go ahead with working with me. And one of the, one of those steps is that I will send them an invoice for 50% and they'll get a contract, you know, so they know right from the beginning that that's what they can expect. And that's before they've even decided whether they want to work with me. So like, yeah, I think I found again, um, looking at my workflows and the onboarding piece right from a new lead. Mm. I've now got a section that's setting expectations. I mean, it's not called that, but that's what it is. Mm. This is what happens when you work with me. This is the process. And then FAQs. And that's a really good way to um, repel people (laughs) who aren't aren't going to be the right fit. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, if you think about it, like so you're drawn to some people that you want to work with more than others and that's like totally normal and expected and like what one of the things that i really like is i don't i like other people having boundaries as long as they're like communicated with me so that i know so that i know to respect them so you know so if you mm. if someone turns around and is like okay, these are the hours that I work, don't contact me outside of them. Or like, this is the process. This is what you can expect. This is like the num- the round of amends. I mean, sometimes I might forget. And then and then I would hope that the person would like pull me up and be like, actually, you know, mm-hmm. remember there's only one round of amends or whatever. But, um, but I don't, she's talking about me. I know. I (laughs) No, because you, well, no, you have a, you have like a good boundary and sometimes I think I do forget. And so I No, you don't. But, um, you worry about forgetting. I worry about forgetting. And then you say, sorry, even though you haven't done anything. (laughs) Because I do, I want to, I, like, I want to respect other people's boundaries. And so I appreciate it when they communicate them to me. And I think often we're so worried about how people are going to respond to us communicating them. But actually, they want you to because it helps them, like, know how to interact with you. And the people that are going to hate it are not the right people for you because people that want to push those those particular boundaries – it's going to be a terrible working relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're just – And we've all been there. Yeah, we've all been there. And it's like – it's, that's another one of those like red flags, isn't it? That for me now, if someone's got an issue with one of those boundaries right at the beginning, that's a sign for me that this isn't this isn't going to be the right fit. One hundred percent. I do feel like when you start out in business, particularly, I mean, this is going to apply to product based businesses, any business where you're working with people, where you're providing a service or a thing to a person in a transactional way but you always start out most people start out like not not having any boundaries or having the most rudimentary boundaries that actually aren't boundaries they're just I don't know human rights (laughs) (laughs) like pay me for my work (laughs) basic human rights (laughs) like are you sure are you sure it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um and then we end up working with a set of clients or having, you know, those uncomfortable conversations that make our butt cheeks clench. Mm. And then 
And then we realize we implement another boundary. And then finally, I think you get to a place where you're kind of where we are, where we're also setting expectations before someone even books us. Yeah. Yeah, but I think people have to go through that, right? I think you have to go through that because otherwise, how else do you learn? Like, it's like everything mm. in life, isn't it? You have to, something has to almost like go not so well so that then you can tweak the process so that that doesn't happen again. And it's the same in, it's not just business. It's, you know, it's like in all like relationships or, you know, all different spheres, not even relationships, just like processes just like everyday processes in life um yeah I think you have to go through that and and I think you have to like I think you're never gonna not work with someone that where it goes perfectly like sorry I'm not explaining that very well basically what I'm saying is is you almost need those clients and those situations that don't go right Mm. because you learn so much from them and you learn the sort of business owner you want to be you learn how you enjoy running your business and what you're willing like what you're willing to be flexible on and what you're not willing to be flexible on like you can't know that right from the beginning Mm. um and so yeah you have to go through that process and it is uncomfortable and it is yeah like (laughs) butt cheek clenching (laughs) definitely at times um and it can be really stressful and I think that's that's when for me it's really helpful having other people um who are in a similar not the same industry but in like a similar position who get it so you can be like oh I have just had this like rubbish experience with a client here's what like I've learned from it. I think the key life lesson that I've realized though, is that I'm really good at analyzing situations and working out what went wrong. I'm not so good as like at implementing the change, you know, like actually taking action afterwards. Yeah. And if you don't do that, then you haven't actually learned anything from it. And so what I've learned is that I have to yeah, great, analyze it all. But then I actually have to do something about it and I actually (laughs) have to change something. Otherwise, the whole experience has not really done anything. Can you give an example? Oh, okay, let me think. I mean, I think if you, I think like a classic one is the sort of like all the courses, you know, we were talking about having shiny, Mm -hmm. like a shiny new thing syndrome. I'm a sucker for signing up for courses and then maybe like just whizzing through them really quickly or not actually like taking in what is said and then not implementing it and then being frustrated that that hasn't been the thing that's like fixed my business or fixed a particular problem. Um, I mean, I think a more sort of specific example would be like I've had some instances where I haven't communicated as well as I should have done the expectations with a client and then they've been frustrated because maybe they didn't know something was going to happen or something happened not as they expected and if I then didn't like look back and think okay this isn't about me as a person it's not about my worth it's about this system in my business that didn't work properly like if I don't then go and in like upgrade the system or add something in so like for example one of the things um I did was created a bunch of canned emails about like specific services I offer so that I didn't forget any of the information so like a really sort of tangible example is 
when I create animated GIFs for people, um, one of the parts of the process is setting them up on Giphy so that their GIFs appear in the Instagram API and they can actually use it. So that's what everyone expects is going to be able to, is going to happen once their GIFs are made. But that is a part of the process that is completely out of my control. I don't decide whether someone's account gets approved or not. And so it's really important that I communicate right from the beginning that I can't guarantee that. I can I can give them a pretty strong reassurance that I think it will happen just based on my experience of, you know, all the clients I've worked with, but I can't promise them that. And so, you know, like early on, I realized that I needed to communicate that right from the start. So they didn't go through the whole process mm. and then not have, and then have gifts that they can't actually find on Instagram. Um, so yeah. That's a really like good that. reminder for me to put in place if I ever help anybody to submit to Apple Podcasts mm. to add in yeah. and be very, very clear about the fact that I have no control over it because it's a similar situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you can't decide whether a podcast is going to be approved or not. You can help them get to the point that it's most likely to be approved. Mm. And I think, I think a lot of us as business owners assume that people have the same knowledge that we do. You know, that oh, it's really obvious to you that obviously you don't have yeah. control if someone's podcast is like gonna be approved. But if they're paying for you for a service and they don't know anything about the po process of podcasting, then they just assume that's gonna be sorted and it's fine. So I think often you have to sort of spell things out for people like more than you expect. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've made the exact same mistake before where people, clients have got frustrated with me because they thought I had more control and was going to do more mm. than because I didn't spell out everything that was going to happen in the process and what I had control over and what I didn't. Yeah. So before we say goodbye, I really wanted to ask about your course the one that's it's it's launched right yeah because this episode is gonna go live today oh is it exciting yeah, yeah gonna... it's launched it just started today so the launch mm. was last week that's the course you're talking about isn't it yeah, yes yeah, the design yeah. your own brand can people still join no not for this round but there's a wait list i'm gonna run it again later in the year Fine. um so if people are interested then they can sign up to the wait list and there'll probably be a little like bonus for people who sign you know like a I don't know, pre-sale like or yeah, like yeah. an early bird price for people who sign up to the wait list. Um, but yeah, what do you want to know about it? Just, I just want to know about the course. So it's, what made you create it? Um, ooh, okay. What, who, who, what, who the course is for? Okay. That sort of thing. So I get a lot of inquiries as a designer and uh, most of them, probably most of them, I can't think what the percentage would be, don't don't turn into anything because like usually because of cost you know like mm. I'm too expensive which is absolutely fine like it doesn't that doesn't bother me in the slightest because I know that not all of not every time someone emails me that's not a guaranteed job that's just what I expect um but what I did so after having sort of like quite a lot of emails from small business owners who I loved what they were doing but they couldn't afford my services, I started to think, oh, I really want to like create something to help them. Um, 
like help business owners that are just a bit earlier on in their journey. So kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, where they're in that kind of like first few years of experimenting or not even first few years, like it could be longer than that, but where you're sort of not totally clear on exactly how you want your business to be and maybe you don't have the budget. So I basically created a course that walks you through the process of designing your own branding. Um, but where you have lots of like support along the way. So you do have access to me and you have advice from me and, you know, I can help you with like nitty gritty technical issues, anything like that, but you, you do the work. Um, and I think it's, I think it's for people who know, like know they need some sort of branding in place, but aren't, I don't have the budget to outsource mm-hmm. it. Or it's also for people who are like really creative and don't actually want to like want to retain control of that aspect of their business. Because I think sometimes it is, you have an idea in your head of what you want it to look like and it's quite hard to communicate that to someone else. And so if you like have those ideas and are creative, like you just need someone to help you make it a reality almost. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think those are the sort of two groups of people that it's for. Um, and it all came out of, a, I was doing a workshop, basically. I, di- I did a workshop called Building Your Brand. So the same name as the podcast. And it was like an hour and a half. Um, but I just found that all the, everything that I wanted to get into it, I always ran over. I always felt like I was talking so fast. And I felt like I was just sort of dumping all this information on people. And then I was like, what are they actually going to be able to go away and do with that. And so then I just remember chatting to a friend and being like, I should break this down and spend the time that I want to on each section so that I can actually give them all the information. And so, yeah, it turned into it, a one and a half hour workshop turned into a 12 week course. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think, um, so I've, I think I did the workshop. It's so good. Oh, I'm glad you it's, liked it. Yeah, I might do yeah, it as it like really a, good. I might do it as a pre-recorded, you know, like people like low like value evergreen. evergreen thing. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, you know, you know, like I think everybody needs different things at different points, don't they? So maybe it's like a good just to start thinking about branding. It's a really good of, lead magnet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, uh, or uh, <laughs> you know, a low cost yeah. to get into the funnel. But anyway, um, it's really good. And you've touched on something that I think a lot of people, a mistake that a lot of people make when they create their first course, when they think about creating a course is, and I, I've done it too, um, is trying to put all of your knowledge of how to do one huge thing into either one course or one workshop. workshop. Yeah, And then what happens is that nobody is going to get the most satisfaction from it because they can't actually implement any one thing, mm. which means that they're not, they might really enjoy it. And if it's free, it's completely different, but you need to kind of start with the end in mind and yeah. think, what are they going to be able to do? At What do I want them to be able to do at the end of it? how can I get them there? Yeah. What kind of three steps at most can I do to get them there? And why so even, no, 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 it's fine. Go on. I was just going to say, what I love about this course is that there's such a tangible outcome at the end. So yeah. like what they're going to come out with is, you know, I can give them a list basically of what are the components of their branding that they're going to yeah. come out with. And, it, you know, it's going to look different for each person depending on what they need, but they've then got the tools there that they can go back to to like put that all together 
Yeah. And that's why I think 12 weeks, even though I think most of us, when we think about courses, we're like, oh, four weeks, six weeks, whatever. Actually, 12 weeks to design your own branding feels to me really good, mm. especially because it's a group course where you're you're doing it all together week by week, mm. aren't you? Yeah. And yeah. with support from you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I, so I really people- enjoy it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to sign up for that, they're too late, but they can join your mailing list um, and the waiting list because you'll run it again. Yeah. So if they, if people want to, if you go to lizmosley.net forward slash D-Y-O-B, which is like the acronym for the course. Design name. your own branding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so clever. <laughs> then um they'll like the sales page is there but at the top there's just a box where they can like put their email address in and then th- that that will put you on the wait list effectively for nice so yeah and where and i'll put all your links in the show notes but you have a podcast i have a podcast which is <laughs> produced and edited by you um <laughs> called building your brand which um yeah Chart i mean podcast fyi oh you what sorry chart topping podcast <laughs> fyr which if um yeah like again it's sort of all different phases of the journey and so that just has loads of free content basically about building a brand tackling like different issues um so you know if you've been thinking about podcasting me and lucy did an episode on there yes, <laughs> but there's like did. loads of different topics um and yeah so podcast and then i'm on instagram at liz m mosley and then my website's lizmosley.net and that's sort of where you find everything really nice and easy thank you so much for being on the podcast Aww. i feel like i want to ask you one last question like a fun question okay um oh, these are always really so of hard one. to answer <laughs> oh i tell you what this is what i want to ask you Talk to me about Matcha Latte Wednesdays oh, because, yeah. <laughs> so good. How did you get into Matcha Lattes? What do they taste like? Because they, I, it feels aggressively green and milky. I'm such, like I'm such a fraud. Do you have Lucy a sweet tooth? Is <laughs> I have a, right, I have a total sweet tooth. Basically, I don't drink tea or coffee. I hate them. They're like, coffee is too bitter for me. I've got such a sweet tooth. I can't cope with anything bitter. But there's a cafe around the corner from my house that I decided to give matcha latte a go. And they were like, oh, is it okay if we use coconut milk? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Um, And basically the coconut milk makes the matcha latte sweet. If if it was just matcha latte with no coconut milk, I would hate it because our matcha's actually got like a bit of a bitter aftertaste. It's like green, it's green tea. Yeah, it's green. Yeah. 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 Um, So it's the coconut milk that does it for me, but it's, Ah. it tastes so good. Um, And yeah, so basically it just works out on one of the school drop-offs um that I go and get myself one and so on a Wednesday morning I usually they're they're closed for the whole of January which I'm a bit devastated oh. about so I haven't had Christ, one for a while it's the worst month to I, close for God's I, sake. I mean they need a break to be <laughs> but yeah I'm looking forward to next week going to get my match latte Wednesday ah and what do you have with it do you, ha- do you get like cake or a snack with it? Oh, they do the most amazing pastel donatas. So <gasps> if they have those, I get one of those. They're like oh my, my all-time favourites. Same. I love them. Actually, they're not my all-time favourites, but I, because they're really sweet. When I lived in Hammersmith, they, uh, like pastel donata 
shop opened up Amazing. that's all they sold yeah. all different kinds and Ooh, i want to try different kinds yeah Amazing. so it was within hammersmith broadway which if you're a londoner you'll know is yeah. like a mega transport hub um and i lived really like i don't know five minutes walk from it and um and so it was super busy but if you were swinging by at like closing time they would be really cheap and at the time, my husband worked in West Kensington and he would uh, sometimes swing by on the way home from work, pick up discount pastel donatas and bring them home. What I mean, that was such a long-winded story, but I feel like you needed to hear it. <laughs> I did need to hear it. That, I mean, yeah, that is amazing. Um, yeah, so that's my that's my Wednesday morning ritual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any I don't have any rituals at the moment but I think I'm going to have to implement them because I think school run I'm going into a whole other thing now I'm going <laughs> to yeah, wrap myself a whole up other, a whole other podcast <laughs> episode about the, the joys of the school <laughs> oh my god